0: Tucker Taken Down, Elon Gives Twitter the Blues, Tackling the Cost of Living, and Good News About Batteries. This is The Week on Wednesday. Hello and welcome to The Week on Wednesday. I am your co-host, Ben Davison, and joining me in her but-her-emails hat... <laughs> it's my favourite hat! ...is the best-selling author of on and On, A Short and Shocking History of Internet Conspiracy Cults, as recently seen on The Drum... The great, the glorious, my wife, your friend, and Jared Henderson obsession, Van (laughs) Badham. How are you, Van? Well, apart from finding out I still
1: am an obsession of Jared Henderson, I'm delightful. I am wearing my Hillary Clinton but her emails hat. It is my favourite. My very cute dog is on my lap. You may hear a lot of him this episode because his face is quite close to the microphone today, friends.
0: <laughs> it is indeed close to the microphone. Oh, he's
1: so cute!
0: Look, we're going to dive in because we've got. A, we want to keep it compact today, because of course there's lots been going on. We're going to have a bit of a US focus. Firstly, starting Van with someone who has been described as one of the most negatively influential figures to come out of the Murdoch stable in some time, Tucker Carlson. Tucker Carlson has been uh, fired, or, or as Fox said, live on air, they've gone their separate ways, but more and more has emerged about this story, and I expect, if he hasn't already, the Tucker Carlson podcast will appear on the Apple charts, hopefully somewhere below the week on Wednesday, but, then this is an evolving story, isn't it?
1: It is. It's an extraordinary story, a story that has been described in the press as more like an episode of succession than an episode of succession, which is an extraordinary uh, yeah. piece of analysis. We are now definitely in the meta part of being meta. So, Tucker Carlson. Tucker Carlson is from an Extremely wealthy, patrician, American family. He was raised in California. He obviously college educated. Like, he's fancy. And he appeared on uh, news networks decades ago very infamously used to wear a bow tie and he looked like a member of a young Republican club and that's exactly who he was. And he was very much part of that, you know, sort of traditional neocon establishment. He looked like a character from a Brett Easton Ellis novel and he was sort of brought on to be the token conservative on vaguely progressive media. So MSNBC, CNN, they would be like, oh, we're going to debate the news today. There's a
0: great clip with him and uh, John. Uh, Stewart, where John Stewart uh, has him on, and he talks about him wearing a bow tie and being basically a demagogue, right? And this is from 2003, I think. This clip. <laughs>
1: He's a very, very smart man, yeah. Tucker Carlson, and he parlayed his sort of notoriety and you know enormous amounts of inherited wealth mm. and connections. His brother Buckley is an opera senior operative for the Republican Party. Like their conservative establishment, that family. His
0: names like Buckley and Tucker, yeah,
1: Buckley and Tucker Swanson, Ahern, uh, Carlson. I think it's. I mean, oh. it's. As is. to
0: the Swanson O'Hearn Carlson something
1: family. like that. They're, they're they're Swansons. So the Swansons TV were the, dinners, right? They yeah, they're they're frozen. They're frozen fish finger barons. That's where they're from, and capitalism is terrible. And. <laughs> Uh, and um, this is the wealth that they've parlayed, although that brand was apparently sold to Campbell Soup some time ago, but they've got all
0: the money. Which itself, I believe, was sold to Nestle. Anyway, (laughs) there's only five food companies. Enjoy that knowledge as you eat your dinner.
1: Yep, carry on. (laughs) So he, you know, was this very clean-cut sort of, you know, boyish charm, bowtie-wearing neocon on the circuit, got fired from MSNBC, got fired from CNN, went off and founded a website called The Daily Caller, which you might be familiar as the host of Ben Shapiro, literally the most irritating oh, right-wing yeah. person. He's a terrible human being, right-wing person on the internet. And The Daily Caller saw a, a space and realised a media space for a particularly hard right populist type of conservatism. As the saying goes, it's not your father's Republican Party, which is, is quite mm-hmm. true. The old Eisenhower, short back and sides, duty, honor, love of country, military ethos. Yeah, that's, that's quite that's over. over. And Tucker has certainly been part of that. So he started at Fox in 2005 No, 2009, I think. Yeah, and I think it was nine. in the 2000s. And he moved up the ranks from being a panel commentator to getting finally getting his own show and then getting the primetime slot at 8 p.m. in 2016. Now, what else happened in 2016, Ben?
0: Oh, the uh, Trump election.
1: Yeah, Trump won the election. And Tucker Carlson established himself as the lead proponent of Trumpism on cable television. Yeah. So- he has been the star of the Fox Firmament since 2016. Absolutely, he was until recently the most watched anchor on cable news mm-hmm. of anyone anywhere, uh, drawing 3.5
0: million viewers a night, which to, is considerable. To give to give that some scope, uh, that is almost four times as many people as uh, any Australian primetime news show. So Channel 9 News or the ABC News wouldn't even, like, four times that. And this is just Tucker Carlson yelling into a uh, camera for an hour, right? This isn't a news program with all the news of the day, this is just Tucker Carlson and whatever he's decided to talk about. A bit like us except more of a far right, less of a join your union kind of a vibe.
1: Yeah, less of a join your, your union, more of a why not commit a genocide against minorities kind of vibe. That's yeah, definitely the vibe. Not our and
0: vibe. That's a different That's vibe.
1: not our vibe. You know, Ben and I don't believe in genocides. We think they're bad and have lasting historical consequences of great negativity and disadvantage. And being socialists, not a fan. Not a in fan. fact, people who have called themselves socialists in the past without the democratic bit on which our identities rely. Yeah, it did rather a lot of brand damage with the whole genocide thing and I'd personally like to apologise for that. Tucker Carlson, not quite so contrite as it turns out. And since 2016, spooking the Trump administration, uh, platforming the worst people from mm. the MAGA movement, he really has been like the archdeacon of MAGAism mm. and creating a media space and a discourse around that space that has helped to popularise some genuinely terrible ideas. And what we're seeing in America at the moment, you can particularly see this uh, with Roe versus Wade and the um, ending of that as a judicial president mm. and the way that has just opened the floodgates to these horrendous laws in so many American states. There are American states where you cannot get an abortion if you are a raped child and who yeah. is pregnant. Like there are right-wing politicians from the Republican Party in America who will defend... You know the right to life of a pregnancy over the physical child that is incapable of bringing that pregnancy to term. Yeah, it is. There was some footage of a particular speech around on this issue. It's phenomenally bad. It is phenomenally bad. These extremist positions have absolutely been mainstreamed by people like Tucker Carlson Mm. using the pulpit of Fox News and using that 8 p.m. time slot, using the fact that Fox is broadcast continually on every military base in the United States Mm. and has all these sort of exclusive broadcast deals and the rest of it, it occupies part of a media ecosystem that includes Murdoch-owned publications in order to incubate a particular kind of extremist hard-right populist Worldview, and that's why we go from I don't like abortion to let the pregnant rape ten year olds die. Like that's how that actually transfers from
0: because it's quite a it's quite a shift, right? Like you can you can almost see, and I think you're going to talk about a little bit about something he said uh, recently that almost gels with the kind of commentary that we we make, right? Like you can kind of you can you can sit down and have people say well, I don't think we should have a society where people feel obliged to have an abortion or that abortion's uh, not an ideal scenario, right? And, and and you know, you can have a debate about that. Personally, woman's right to choose is just bedrock from my perspective. But you go from that debate through to letting children die in childbirth in a in a for-profit hospital that's a pretty pretty big jump
1: dive forced childbirth legally forced, forced, yeah, childbirth forced childbirth
0: in a for-profit hospital so you go from you know women are making choices how do we create a situation where uh, fewer women feel the need to have an abortion uh you know if that you can see that kind of argument like i've heard people make that argument in the past mm. You know, to go from there, which is again, not something I agree with, but to go from there through to we will force children who are themselves survivors of sexual assault to give birth in a for-profit hospital that is then going to bill them for something that if in all possibility might kill them. Right. Mm. This is a, that is a shocking leap, but it's kind of been Tucker's. Uh, way with words, the way he articulates these things, his ability to take people on the narrative journey very, very quickly.
1: He's incredible. And this is, we've mentioned this on the show numerous times. I think I even said in the last episode that we've got to be really careful to distinguish the ideological behaviour of our opponents which is unpleasant to us, as yeah. exactly that. To going, oh my god, they're just so stupid. Yeah, I mean, yes, obviously there are stupid decisions made in politics and like and, tactical and problems. And you and I can talk about Peter Dutton as much as we want. But we should also
0: be clear: there are stupid people in just about every walk of life.
1: Oh yeah, there are, you know, there's a there's a proportion everywhere. And <laughs> well, I, and I just want to clarify: the word "stupid" comes from the Latin "stupere," which means to behave as if one is drunk. Yeah. Stupid is a choice. It is about dismissing available evidence, not paying attention to data, making decisions on basically how you feel and causing problems as a result of it. Yeah. Just to nail down that term.
0: Yeah, because we don't want people to get confused about what we're talking about here because we appreciate that some terms are used in ways that might cause confusion about what we're talking about. We're talking about people who have deliberately chosen not to be informed about what it is they're doing or participating in and, as a result, cause problems for other people, and there are those people in every walk of life Conservative, progressive, left-wing, right-wing, whatever you like. Oh,
1: yeah, absolutely, and we'll talk about that infinitely, yeah. infinitely. Tucker Carlson is absolutely not a stupid person, and I've got to say as a, as somebody who works in the media and studies it, he's absolutely extraordinary in the way that he presents, in the way that he manipulates tone, the way that he can construct arguments, and you can see the the value he had to Fox mm-hmm. as a media presence. To get all a bit media theory for you, uh, one of my favourite theorists, Marshall McLuhan, who is the Canadian media theorist, he was very weird but also predicted the internet, he talked about how there are uh, – he sort of talked about two different kinds of media figures. There are media figures who uh, imprint a brand almost instantly because of the way that they present. So you get somebody like Mother Teresa who mm. has this identifiable look and who brands a set of values and you don't really remember – What she says, you remember the brand of what she's supposed to represent. I'm a big critic of Mother Teresa, by the way. You also get the kind of talking head who looks like that kind of thing and typically your older white male patrician conservative politician. I can't really tell them apart. Tucker Carlson manages to do something quite extraordinary, which is to be both at the same time. He looks like a suit and tie wearing because he's ditched the bow tie He looks like a suit and tie-wearing, standard newsreader, standard sort Mm. of um, news anchor um, kind of guy, and yet absolutely imprints on your mind as an identifiable brand. So he's unique and everyman at the same time. That is pretty unusual. It is highly unusual and the level of skill required to do that he um when after the pandemic started he now lives in maine he's now an east coast mm. uh, elite in the united states um He has been essentially broadcasting out of his home. Yeah. So it's just amazing to think that that whole setup, and having done some stuff for Sky in Australia and their tiny little studios which are remote piloted, you don't need a camera operator there, they do it sort of like a drone, a camera drone. It's kind of amazing to understand what he's been able to confect just from talking at the television. You know, like just from creating this sense of a mechanism of a, you know, serious respectable anchor who looks like a serious respectable anchor, who's also a unique and compelling personality, who's sort of manipulating all of this from his home, is is kind of amazing. But what he's doing is he's parceling and packaging a particular kind of grievance politics, which is the whole source of the Trump phenomenon. I resent the fact that my gay neighbours can get married. It has no effect on my life, but I resent that they can do that and then they're happy. And I resent the fact that that young woman has had reproductive rights. And this whole sort of thing there's a, there's a, um, story that broke today about Stephen Crowder, who's a right-wing podcaster in the United States, who has been complaining, literally complaining. He's hugely popular Mm. in America with those kind of people.
0: people in Australia listen to him as well. If you know someone who's listening to Stephen Crowder's podcast, give them a copy of The Week on Wednesday to listen to because fundamentally those people need to be deprogrammed as quickly as possible.
1: They really do. So Stephen Crowder's wife is leaving him and he has spent all day giving media interviews about how it's it's outrageous that it's legal in the state of Texas for his wife to leave him without his permission. Yeah. And the fact that he would say that, to me, explains entirely why his wife has left him.
0: But it also it also goes to the problems in the US in terms of just the complete breakdown of, of this civil discourse. Like the idea that a public figure would get up and go, oh, it's outrageous that a woman who I married – could have the autonomy to decide to leave me, uh, and that that law shouldn't exist. That person is getting airtime; they are being interviewed. They they are they are pushing this agenda.
1: Oh, this is now becoming this is a position. By the way, there's an article about it in Jezebel, where the idea of ending no fault divorce is growing in popularity in in the conservative right. You know, children need a mother and a father. Therefore, broken homes are bad. Therefore. Well, I mean, it's outrageous that people could leave a marriage. You had J.D. Vance, who is now a senator for the Republican Party from Ohio, who's the guy who wrote your Billy Elegy and who is, can I just say unambiguously, a bad man, saying that it is absolutely terrible that people are willing to leave marriages just because there might have been a bit of violence. Wow. Yeah. I mean, that's... And there are more of them who are picking it up. And this is the role of Tucker Carlson because Tucker Carlson's sort of rhetorical rants are opening that discursive space.
0: Well, I mean, and this is why, you know, you and I, we talk about unions on this show a lot and we're going to talk about them a little bit uh, later on when we talk about the cost of living. But, you know, the union movement has been at the forefront of things like family domestic violence leave, um, has been at the forefront of empowering women to be in the workplace and In society and to, to hear this, like, just completely backwards view. I mean, it, it speaks to why people need to be actively involved in their communities. Why joining a union is so important. You can join online, australianunions.org.au slash wow. Um, obviously in America, unionism is a very different, uh, very different construct, but. You see in these these states like Texas, Ohio, these are right-to-work states. These are states where actual fundamental labor laws prohibit, make difficult. Um, Obstruct, abstract. suppress. So all that kind of progress that unions can drive in the community around women's participation, women's rights in the workplace, women's rights at home is obviously at risk in, in these communities where you've got senators as well as Tucker Carlson and his platform calling for these sorts of regressive ideas.
1: Oh, well, Tucker Tucker Carlson jokes about the fact that people condemn him as a racist, and this is what I mean about his media performance. So he will do a joke going, oh, you can't say that racist, as if it's ironic, and yet he will also infamously go on his show in front of 3.5 million Americans, broadcast into, let me repeat, US military bases and claim that there are um, black graduates of universities who've only been allowed to go to university because of the colour of their skin, things like that, like things that are absolutely racist. He's been credibly accused of white supremacism. So he actually struggles to get advertisers, you would think, with an audience that yeah. size and his sort of leading market share in cable news that people would be queuing up. Strangely enough, extremely divisive, arguably white supremacist commentators that it tend to attract a lot of advertisers. Yeah. So he gets like... Direct advertising, like call one 111 to buy your, you know,
0: buy your special Republican pillow.
1: Buy your special Republican pillow. The Mike Lindell, the Lindell, sorry, the My Pillow guy, the, the
0: special Republican pillow guy.
1: Yeah, he is the he's the main individual advertiser on the Tucker Carlson shows because big brands just will not advertise on that show. Like it's not worth it. Not
0: so, even, not even the third. Third degree parent company of former Swanson Fish Fingers seems interested by, by the sounds of it.
1: Yeah, yeah, interesting, sad. interesting, sad. very sad. So where this sort of leaves us is Tucker Carlson was fired on Friday, Woo-hoo. and yeah, from by by Fox apparently at the instruction of Lachlan Murdoch. And this is particularly interesting because Lachlan Murdoch is quite honestly more right wing than his father Rupert Murdoch, which is saying something, something quite terrifying for all of us. Um, That's why I don't, don't, don't put on the red dresses and start dancing when Rupert dies, is what I'm I'm saying quite clearly to everyone. But he was fired on the instruction of Lachlan, Lachlan Murdoch, the more right-wing one who we would think was more politically simpatico. And, of course, people are trying to work out why. On Friday when Tucker Carlson did his show, he said, oh, I'll see you all on Monday, and, of course, this is not eventuated. And
0: one of the things that I read about this, fan is this is incredibly unusual for people who don't know about this. If you've been the host of a long-running show on television, that the convention is if your show's going to be cancelled, they tell you in advance and you get to give a sign-off, like you get to give a final goodbye. And I, I read a piece, I think it was in Vanity Fair, yeah, um, where this guy talked about his final uh, show, I think it was on CNN, uh, and he'd been on there for, you know, a number of years, seven or eight years or something. And they didn't even check his monologue. Like, he was just able to go on and, and talk about it. Um, the former Trump press secretary, Sean um, Spicer. Spicer, who had a Newsmax show for about seven minutes, got to do one where he plugged his podcast, his online shop, his 15 other different side hustles to try and make money. Because
1: that's the idea is that you'll channel your audience where you're going to go next.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah, now this is, hasn't happened.
0: Because Tucker was not given this opportunity. So even though he was the uh, the highest rating k News host in America, the Murdochs shot him in the back of the head metaphorically on Friday, seemingly out of the blue, and that's it, he's gone.
1: Yeah, and it's provoking a whole range of questions so one of the things that happened recently was that dominion which is the company that makes voting machines because they need machines to vote in the united states having failed to invent the pencil um it was sued fox for the election conspiracy yeah. theorizing and for platforming lunatics like sydney powell who of course is quite prominent in my book you and on and on who claimed that the voting machines were being operated by Italian it's uh, yeah, controlled yeah. by the mind of the dead Hugo Chavez which we wouldn't ex- exactly call a mainstream opinion now Dominion accused Fox of knowingly lying and saying that these new news reports were ridiculous. and of course, in the process of sewing them for, they, I can't remember what their original claim was, but in billions of dollars mm. for damage to their business, the discovery process, which is when you have the right to subpoena records and find out who said what to, found a trove of material of Tucker Carlson saying things that he hated Donald Trump and couldn't wait to be rid of him, um, of disparaging other Fox News executives. There was an enormous amount of terror that – uh, Tucker Carlson would be called to testify if the if mm. the suit went to trial, and all of these abusive things he had said about his colleagues and everybody else, and had knowingly lied and known that the yeah. election conspiracy theory was nonsense. Dominion settled this case, which meant that uh, and part of the conditions of the settlement with Fox, but they got paid 750 million American dollars, which is like one point something billion. One point two billion Australian. One point two billion Australian was that a lot of the things that Fox that Tucker Carlson had said about Fox employees and the Murdoch family were to be sealed and not released. Apparently uh, Tucker Carlson responded by saying, oh, you should unseal them. They should all know what I think of them. Now this has all happened very recently recently. But what also happened recently, which is becoming part of this story, there have been there's another suit which has been brought by a former employer, former uh, booking producer person who gets mm. a guest for Tucker Carlson who said that, who's accused him of discrimination, abuse in the workplace and so there's like a workplace mm. suit that's going on there which is a problem. Smartmatic, which also makes voting machines, has their own $4 billion lawsuit that they are pursuing against Fox for the same things that Dominion did. And Tucker Carlson has arguably exposed them to, if not legal, um, legal risk. He has been part of their reputation, right? So, and the fact that he doesn't bring in advertising money directly really mm. is also, you know, notable in terms of the kind of trouble he's causing the the company. But this extraordinary story came out in Vanity Fair today, and there's been reporting in Rolling Stone as well in the Wall Street Journal, talking about how Tucker Carlson. Actually, had dinner with Rupert Murdoch in Bel Air, 92-year-old Rupert Murdoch, and Rupert Murdoch's now former fiance, Anna Leslie Smith, a couple of weeks ago. And Anna Leslie Smith uh, is a former pastor. Mm-hmm. And she had described Tucker as not only her favorite Fox anchor, but as a messenger from God to Rupert Murdoch, who is for complex and interesting reasons, one of which may be the size of his ego, not a great fan of God, as it turns out. Yeah, yeah,
0: doesn't like the competition.
1: Doesn't like the competition. And, of course... Subsequently, I mean the Rupert Murdoch the report said that she started quoting this dinner with Tucker Carlson passages from the book of Exodus from the Bible, which I've got to say is not what I'd expect next to the Chablis and the prawns. And Rupert Murdoch just sort of stared incoherently at what was going on, and the engagement was off the next day. This is all very fascinating. There is, of course, a very Succession-style plotline where people are saying the old man's losing his grip and the old man's making erratic decisions and maybe dumping the fiancé and sacking Tucker Carlson are part of the same sort of decision-making That's framework. literally
0: a storyline from Succession.
1: Oh, it is it, completely amazing. But what is even more sort of interesting and disturbing is that last week, messenger from God, Tucker Carlson, gave a speech to the Heritage Foundation, which is a right-wing think tank in America. And this is what Ben has been quoting quite liberally Mm. in this little section because we had to talk about it before. And it's a 10-minute speech where Tucker Carlson foregrounds his sort of argument to this right-wing think tank, quite a sizable audience of influential moneyed people who push right-wing narratives in American life.
0: I think the Sydney Institute but with more people than Jared Henderson.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Actually yeah, yeah. influential. Yeah, the Centre for Independent Studies with yeah. people with money From and the IPA there as well. Yeah, they're all sort they of pile having pile
0: them it. all into the same room. And,
1: and a bit more Jesus than we really get out of yeah, the IPA. Yeah. So much more Maybe Jesus. Maybe some
0: Hillsong people hang around the back.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's the vibe. Yeah. That's absolutely the vibe. Yeah. If Hillsong en masse joined the Centre for Independent Studies that's sort of.
0: And an IPA f- love in. Yeah. a big punch bowl.
1: Yeah, with guns. Yeah. Kind of that's sort of where we are. And bow ties. Tucker Carlson gives this speech that is chilling because he talks about that America's at a, at a crisis point mm. and everyone knows it. Mm. And you and I have said these things yeah, on the yeah. show. You know, lots of commentators have said this. And he talks about this, you know, this division in American life and the fact that the the discourse is out of control. Mm. And Tucker Carlson mm-hmm. stands there and says, Oh, you know, a man who's pushed conspiracy theories that anarchists were behind January 6th Hmm, and, like, hmm. evil communists, like presumably you and I, feminists, you know, left-wing transgenderist conspiracy, we secretly ran January 6th. I mean, he's destroyed individuals pinning things on them. Yeah, he's targeted them. Absolutely. mobs
0: of people to target
1: them. Unbelievable. He talks about how you know what's broken down is the conversation between competing points of view that you know in the old days the the old days that you and i fondly remember or think we remember that you would have a democratic conversation that said you know what we all want is for america australia or england to be a better country with more opportunities mm-hmm. and we would approach things and he uses the example of a pregnant teenager and goes well i mean we would have the argument about what helps that pregnant teenager mm-hmm. you know like is an abortion." or is it, you know, like a strong family union and blah, 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 blah. And we would argue the toss, you know, like we all want specifically for the economy. Is that increased or decreased tax rates? These are things I've seen. You know, yeah. we used to have this kind of thing. And it's so warm and familiar and self-deprecating. And he does jokes about how I'm not going to lecture you on spiritual matters. I'm an Episcopalian that's barely even Christianity. <laughs> you know, and he's got his scruffy hair and his hand gestures mm-hmm. and the whole thing. And then he talks about how that's changed. Like that's absolutely yeah. changed. that And disc- no, I would agree with that, that discourse yeah, yeah. has changed. Yeah. And then Tucker Carlson goes, because what they're talking about there, meaning you and I, the left, progressive people. Mm. People not person.
0: in the room with Tucker Carlson. Yeah, non,
1: non-MAGA IPA. people, like yeah. centre-right people yeah. with smaller liberal values. Yeah, yeah. The not. Menzians
0: that we've talked about. The Menzians,
1: the Teals, all of those yeah, people. Yeah. Like Simon Birmingham, yeah, for example. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you, the last vestige menzinism in the Liberal Party, God help him. So he says what they're telling us now is that they're going to forcibly mutilate our children and that they're going to they're going to murder unborn the unborn. They're going to mass murder them. When you have the Secretary of the Treasury saying it's good for America for women to kill their children, well, we're not having a debate anymore. We're just having a fight between good and evil, and this speech, this warm, self-deprecating, we all understand mm-hmm. historical narrative, goes to this place where people like you and I, and literally everybody else who is not in the MAGA movement, mm. they it, we are evil, and yeah. he uses that word. He's like, this is this is beyond politics. This is beyond spirituality. This is a battle between good and evil. And he says, so what? What are the outcomes of being good? Well, the outcomes of being good. Uh, they're universal they're order and they're calm and their serenity and peace and and um and prosperity. Cle- cleanliness. cleanliness doesn't say prosperity oh. incidentally but cleanliness you know this is you know the uh, the outcomes of good a clean. cleanliness is next to godliness I believe that even if I am an episcopalian ho, ho, ho and then he says but we know what evil is evil is chaos and it's violence and it's disorder and it's filth. It's dirty. It's very and we know it is really tactile. I'd like to point out one of the things you learn um in media theory is you learn, do you know what emotion people have the most total reaction to? Disgust. Disgust. Disgust motivates people to do things in the way that no other anger, fear, very secondary. Mm. And so he does foster this image, like an end of civilization, a battle for good and evil. And it's all come with this sort of reasonable centrist framing. And you go, Dear God, dear God, this is the fascism that American fascism that we have been warned about. And in this speech, which apparently Rupert Murdoch was aware of, mm. Tucker Carlson says that, you know, what can we even do? Like how can we even stop these people? I'm asking you, whatever your religion, just spend 10 minutes a day praying. And the word from various sources is that Murdoch was like, yeah, enough, enough of this. Because, I mean, Carlson is causing them financial problems they're, the way that Fox make their money, because they don't make mm. what they probably could on advertising because of the kind of loons they platform, is they make it from subscription fees in yeah. cable television packages. And that's a, currently, they get like $2 per subscriber and they're trying to get it up to three. And Carlson is so. Toxic. So dangerous that. There is some talk that it's you know I mean let's face it Rupert Murdoch does worship one god and that god is money mm. you know that that there is like and there's a financial consideration and also this idea that Fox if Fox can make you Fox will break you and they do suckle through people they yeah. break Glenn Beck they break Bill O'Reilly. And even though these people have gone on to quite lucrative careers, like Bill O'Reilly apparently makes $30 million a year now, which is the most disgusting indictment of the capitalist system, I think, ever, given the fact that he had to leave Fox because he was sexually harassing people and he's just disgusting. Um, They never have the political influence or platform after they leave Fox. And these stories are coming out and one presumes that the sources are quite well-placed, I think is the term, that Fox has considerable amount of information or what they call oppo research on Tucker Carlson that they're prepared to release if he decides to go to war with the network. But it's this intersection of, you know, ec- like just ruthless economic cynicism but also that Rupert Murdoch apparently has limits, does actually have limits. And that speech from the Heritage Foundation, I mean, I was saying to you, mm. it is really – we.
0: We will not be sharing it. Like We're not that. sharing
1: it. We're not amplifying it. I am not putting comments or likes yeah. on it because I don't I don't want to help release that into the wild because it is such a dangerous. If you want to read it, I would do you can find it. It's easy to find. Mm. But I do ask you not to share it, not to amplify it, to consider it in the context of critique of the absolute raw spirit of fascism.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And it's and that's what it is. It's it's interesting to see uh and, and Van, I want to move on to our next story because there's such a compare and contrast here, right? So you've got Tucker Carlson, who clearly has his own political, uh, pseudo religious political agenda around. Oh, but fascism.
1: he's just an Episcopalian.
0: <laughs> you've got Rupert Murdoch, who's Murdoch, who we've just, dis- we've discussed this before. People often ascribe political motivations to Murdoch when, in actual fact, when you look at his long history of operation, the the politics for Murdoch is always about facilitating the money. The, the politics and the power has always been about facilitating Rupert having more control and to generate more more money and more power. Even those assets that lose money, it's actually been about controlling the regulatory environment that allows him to make money over here. He's, he's a multi-armed, uh, multi-divisional multi tentacled octopus. And just because he's pulling a lever where you can see it doesn't mean he's not actually gaining profit where you can't. And his focus has always been about the money, continues to be about the money. This current story about Tucker Carlson seems to be a clash between a guy who thinks, uh, possibly because some people have said he is the voice of God that he, that he actually has this political pseudo religious role whereas the Murdoch family clearly are still focused on what the Murdoch family is always focused on, and that is profit for the Murdoch family. At the same time this story's happened, you know, I I for, foreshadowed on the weekend wrap that we would talk about what's going on with Twitter because obviously, you know, Twitter is a platform where we promote this show. Like It's a platform, many journalists, many commentators. It's a
1: platform where I built my audience and went from being An obscure avant-garde feminist theatre maker to being a Guardian columnist.
0: It's where governments, I mean governments around the world, have used Twitter to inform their population about things, to post information about the pandemic, bushfires, cyclones, whatever it is. But at the same time as you've got Rupert Murdoch quite ruthlessly making um, economic financial decisions, you've got over at Twitter Elon Musk who has taken his company private. By the way, most of the Murdoch uh, companies are publicly listed in some form or another. That might be another uh, defining characteristic. But Musk, who's taken Twitter private so he can really do whatever he likes with it, he's used private money to buy it for $44 billion, has basically turned it into this, you know, please think I'm cool, please like me platform where on the 20th of April, which in America is 420, which is of course in cannabis culture, you know, 420 is the time and whatever, right? So he decided that would I never be,
1: understood that. Is it the rolling papers are called cool 420 uh,
0: rolling papers or something? I actually I'm so uncool. I genuinely don't know the background and I didn't Google it. it
1: Unlike all those dough making dudes with horns who occupied the Capitol building. Yep.
0: Yeah. Um uh interesting to get Tucker Carlson's view on that at some point. Anyway, the uh he decided he would get rid of all the blue checks, all the verifications. That like were put, mine. Mine has that gone. They were put in place to prevent fraud, to prevent um, scams, to prevent uh, misinformation. To right? prevent child molesters grooming victims
1: by pretending to be famous people who children liked. That is one of the reasons because that happened to an American celebrity and found out that a dude pretending to be him had been grooming children on the internet when he didn't even have an internet account. That was one of the main reasons that Twitter brought in verification. And in my case, remember when I got impersonated? That was a fun holiday that wasn't, wasn't it?
0: Well, Elon Musk said that one of the things he was going to do was get rid of all of that exploitative material off Twitter when he took over. Of course, as you've said before. In fact, there's more exploitative material. In fact, some there are some posts on some of your tweets now where people are commenting ads for sex workers on other people's posts. Like they're just it's just a free for all, right? Like it's completely gone off the rails. And this, you know, oh, on 420, I'm going to get rid of all the blue check verifications. Like it's some sort of frat club, right, that he's not part of or he's in a different group, and he did this, and he did this on the basis that he was going to charge $8 a month to have access to this, and it would democratise the process.
1: Yeah, like having a blue tick was like being in an elite club. It's like I had a blue tick because I was impersonated, and Twitter saw The need to identify and protect my account so they wouldn't be, you
0: know, like. So the value of Twitter wouldn't be undermined. The value of Twitter is that it's a reliable source of content from people you may not otherwise have any way of directly interacting with. And that it genuinely reflects their views at any given moment of the day,
1: and carries authentic news and expertise and reports. And so, people who are national security experts, who have been part of institutions, who are columnists, people like Tom Nichols, the conservative who I adore, you know, like people, people like me have who write for the Guardian, who are who are commentators for main like masthead main stage publications that they can that you can credibly know oh well that is van Batten from the guardian yeah. that is you know Kevin in- <laughs> yeah that that is general former head of the cia general michael hayden retired Yeah, you know because they are on twitter everybody's on twitter of course everybody's on twitter and that's what the politics. and that's
0: called. what the 44 billion dollars was buying was this platform of users that was genuinely trusted and in fact Before Elon Musk took over, Twitter was trying to get more advertisers to advertise using that strategy, going more influencers, more influential, more policy setters, more people who make decisions, more people who are listened to use that platform. Now, of course, Musk has set that all on fire over the course of his six months of ownership, no more so than on the 20th of April which, by the way, if you ever look that up, is also another date uh, for the far right uh, of interest to the far right for a whole set of other reasons, which I'm not going to go into on the show. But it's interesting that he picked that date anyway. Um, he set it on fire to try and get more people to pay eight dollars a month to subscribe, and yet, what happened, Van?
1: Oh, it was a massive disaster. So 30 people. You got 30 people. 30, 30 people who were what they were called legacy verified, like people like me yeah. who were given their blue ticks to, so Twitter could say this person is actually who they say they are, 30 people. And the, Twitter has like, what, a billion Accounts, so, so like out
0: of, so, out of hundreds of thousands, I think it was, I think it was like two point three million verified accounts they had, something like that. So huge amount of accounts. Only thirty took up this fantastic offer of only eight dollars a month to be verified.
1: So he made two hundred and forty bucks. Well done, <laughs> on business genius. Yeah, but what happened after that? So after, so the idea was that anyone could spend eight dollars and get verified, yeah, yeah, yeah. which means that people like. Cat turd, who's like some random American right wing Trump supporter, yeah, could just random anonymous
0: accounts, and random verify.
1: anonymous accounts, unver unverifiable, yeah, unverifiable accounts. Are verified, yeah, I verified because they you paid just, their because they paid their and box. gave a mobile phone number uh, and, and gave a mobile phone number, and also meant that their content would be prioritized. So the new algorithms of Twitter mean that if you praise Elon Musk, and I'm not joking, like yeah. this is yeah, yeah, true, yeah. if you praise Elon Musk or you pay for a blue tick, your content is seen like in comments and things. So I might put out something saying – Ben Davison is hot, you know, which is obviously true. And Thank you, in the fun. hundreds of comments that flow from that, the ones it's from not
0: hot, you must be blind. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Nice. I was like, shut up, feminist. <laughs> Feminism is cancer. Make go to the kitchen and make me a sandwich. If they have blue ticks that have been bought for eight dollars, even if they only have fifteen followers, they get promoted to, and you see their comments
0: before everybody Above else. Is. People are like, yeah, good observation, Van.
1: Yeah, yeah, good observation, Van. He is hot, you know. I'll fight you for him. <laughs> <laughs> and look, fair that happens. So. The issue is that Twitter has gone from being are you having access to people you otherwise would never have access to in an ongoing trustworthy conversation with their identities are verified to those people. I mean, are they still real or are they?
0: It's basically gone from what you've just described to a a series of people who would scream at you, in a train station that you would do your very best to ignore and walk away from, but now uh, following you no matter where you go on the platform, continuing to scream at you no matter how much you ignore them
1: oh it's it's awful and it's really wrecked the twitter experience because you have to wade through so not only does he have that weird for you algorithm that when you log into twitter you see what elon's algorithm wants you to see lots of right-wing accounts lots of like just awful stuff in my case because i use blocking tools i've blocked so many people the algorithm essentially feeds me photos of people's pets and people talking about their relatives dying. And I think it's because I was talking about my mother's death. So I just get – thousands of people who I don't know and I don't know anything about and can't verify because they don't have blue ticks saying, thank you, everybody, I'm really devastated about my uncle. And so I'm put into this weird vicarious grief system. And it's, can I say, not a pleasant experience. And if I didn't rely on Twitter to publicise my work, I would not be there anymore because it's like this is just depressing, grim and awful. Oh, and look, an ad for services I am not going to purchase.
0: And and it's interesting, right, because he's also then gone and – because this whole thing on the 20th of April was a disaster, he's then gone and, you know, very generously paid for or just given away but that's ticks
1: the, the, It was an inversion of the brand because the blue ticks went from people you knew yeah. and people you probably admired, like LeBron James, yeah. probably the most yeah. famous basketball player in history. Yeah. Um, lost his blue tick because he said, "I will not pay. Eight, I'm not yeah. paying eight dollars to blue ticks." Being the kind of losers that you would literally pay money to get away from at a party,
0: and and so now people have been given these ticks. People like LeBron James, Stephen King, who have said, "I don't want this. I didn't pay for this. You know, I I don't want to be associated with this anymore. This is you have ruined what this means. You have inverted what this means, and." I don't want to be associated with somebody named Cat Turd. That's not my brand. I'm LeBron James. I'm sponsored by some of the largest athletics companies in the world. and
1: I'm not the kind of loser who pays $8 so more people will see their tweets on Twitter.
0: And calls himself Cat Turd. That's not the kind of thing LeBron James does.
1: No, that's not what LeBron James does. And he gave an interview, um, well, his people gave an interview. He's notoriously difficult because he is so predictive of his brand. And they, his people were like, absolutely, we did not pay for this blue tick because Elon was so upset that all the famous cool people he wants to hang out with didn't want to be in his gang. He forced blue ticks on them. So you had people like the actor Jason Alexander going, I'm leaving Twitter, I do not want to be associated with this. I didn't buy a blue tick, I don't want it, I don't want anyone to think I approve of this, I'm gone, bye.
0: And so, of course, then this means that advertisers have fled the platform as well. So my, my feed is now... Full of advertisements from like the Saudi investment corporation and from Elon Musk's own Starlink system, which, by the way, I mean, Elon Musk is having an absolute nightmare of an April. Beware the ides of April if you're Elon Musk, clearly, because not only am I being flooded with Starlink system, Starlink relies on SpaceX to get satellites into the sky to feed internet back down to the earth to people. And of course, Space, his giant rocket, his biggest rocket ever for SpaceX exploded not far off the launch pad. Elon described this as well 30 or 31 engines out of 33. Uh, fired off, and it was almost a success. It was just an unscheduled collapse or something. It was
1: very successful apart from the rocket exploding and destroying
0: everything. It's destroying the landing pad, sending debris everywhere. The American F A A, which is the regulatory body, has said that SpaceX is not allowed to do any more launches until a full investigation is undertaken into the explosion. There was apparently a material inside the exclusion zone, which is usually the zone designed to prevent anything else being hit by something should something like this happen. Apparently a van was in the zone It was hit. They think that maybe SpaceX was trying to gather data from within the zone. Regardless of the purpose, it shouldn't have been there. So his his big, you know, blue tick uh, situation has taken down Twitter. We We already discussed before that he's shared about half the value before this happened on Twitter. Uh, SpaceX has exploded, literally exploded, on the launch pad. Uh, and at the same time, you've got people on investor, investor calls. These are the quarterly calls that the company, in this case Tesla, does with big investors to describe to them what they think the next quarter is going to look like, what their sales are going to be, how profitable, what the challenges are. These, are. these are calls designed to reassure the market that the management has some idea about what it's doing Investors are now actively by all accounts on these calls saying we are concerned that the CEO of Tesla is distracted by all these other projects because he is also the CEO of four other companies at the same time. One of which is a private company that he owns himself outright. And he seems to be on the platform of pretty much all day, every day engaging with randoms. Who most of them as investors, whether they be institutional, retail, mom and dad investors, whatever they are, wouldn't actually engage with if they saw them on the street. So the, the musk. Like cat turd. <laughs> like cat turd. Can't believe that's a thing. Um, but this is, this is like the great dichotomy, right? On one hand, you've got the, the billionaire Rupert Murdoch who goes, you know what, Tucker Carlson, I've had enough of this. You're costing me money. Get out. I don't care what political influence you think you've got. It's my channel my platform, you're gone, just totally focused on on capitalism, which as much as Rupert Murdoch is a vile person and has all sorts of horrible things going on, you know what he's about, you know where he stands. At the other end of the capitalist spectrum, you've got Elon Musk, who is just a desperate simp for attention, who who just wants someone to tell him he's cool, and he doesn't care if it's a guy named Cat Turd or a horrible misogynist or some kind of right-wing lunatic. Or, or you know, whoever, and he gets on these investor calls, and all he really wants them to do is tell them how, for them to tell him how cool he is, and all they really want is for him to tell them how they're going to make money, and yet all he he's just burning cash, burning billions and billions, like literally, like a rocket. Imagine, so the rocket is cash. The rocket costs money. He set it on fire and went, "Oh, it's not that big a problem." It's like, mate you blew up your rocket you blew up your I'm platform <laughs> that's my watch
1: <laughs> apologizing for the for the rocket blowing up
0: and and now you you you're killing tesla like tesla had first mover advantage everybody knew what the tesla brand was we've had people write to us who listen to this show when we've talked about electric cars and, and at times we've talked about tesla and you know we we've, we've you've been in one i've been in one going you can't ride in a tesla it's owned by elon musk That's how toxic that man's brain has become. yeah,
1: absolutely. It's extraordinary. I've I've never lived through anything quite like this, I've got to say. Like if we had found out that Elon Musk was spending Friday nights humping a tree, I don't think – he could, like, that would have been kind of minor. Sending his own blood to people. And sending his own blood to people. (laughs) thats I'm so into you. But I just love how it offends. Ben and I are subject to the stupidest criticism on the internet, which is like, oh, you hate capitalism, so why are you participating in it by, like, having jobs, earning money, trying to sell books or whatever? And it's like, look, we hate capitalism. Ben, unfortunately, is just extremely good at it and has a phenomenal understanding of it. And I can just see that, like, the logical conundrum that you're confronted with in the person of Elon Musk because really he's an indictment of inherited wealth. That guy got was a rich kid who got extremely lucky of being in the right place at the right time to invest in a product PayPal, which was going to be inevitable because of where um, capital was flowing and and where markets were going and that mechanism was needed. And he he didn't invent it. He he invested in it in the right time and made all of his money. And the same thing with Tesla. He didn't invent the Tesla car. That's not his technology. He's not an inventor. He's an investor and he took ownership of that company. But what we... No, and you and I have had this discussion that really what he's in the business of is confidence. Yeah. I have invested so much money in this particular product, i.e. PayPal, therefore you should because it's going to work. I have invested X amount of money in this product, Tesla or the boring company or SpaceX or Starlink or Neuralink, which is completely nuts. That's putting the computer chips and monkey brains or I yeah, can't even let's have
0: let's have the man whose self-driving cars literally crash and kill people or whose rockets explode just off the launch pad Put chips in our brains. I
1: don't think so. No, I mean somebody made this point. Thank God we saw what he did to Twitter before we followed him to Mars. I mean, yeah, that's pretty fair enough.
0: Vivan, we're going to have to we have to wrap up this segment because we're going to have to wrap up this segment because we really do need to talk about the cost of living stuff as well. Uh,
1: yeah, it's like while billionaires literally set rockets on fire and burn down Twitter, what's going on with people who aren't billionaires, Ben?
0: Well, what, what's going on is that. <laughs> in Australia, at least, we seem to be over over the hump, over the curve when it comes to uh, inflation, which is really fantastic news for a whole bunch of reasons, the least of which is it reduces the likelihood of another interest rate increase and means that at 3.5% unemployment, we may still be able to tame inflation, which again goes back to why all those neoliberal scumbags were wrong about how economies function, right? So, Today's figures have come out, and the annualised inflation rate is six point three percent. That's March to March, right? In January it was seven point four. In February it was six point eight. That means inflation is coming down. It's heading in the right direction. At the same time, we have we have a government in the Albanese Labor government that is taking genuine steps to try and curb inflation. So we had an announcement today about improving. Uh, access to prescription pharmaceuticals. Uh, now, this is a $1.6 billion dollar, uh, saving that, that will help people in terms of reducing their cost of going to the doctor, reducing their cost probably of medicines, and of course, reducing cost to the tax We know that there's going to be announcements about early childhood education. Alba has already talked about that. When was the last time we had disinflation? That is. A drop in the cost of living was it during the pandemic when we made early childhood education free? Correct. So we know that these are measures that have tangible impacts on cost of living. We know that they've talked about making changes to rent assistance, making changes to parenting payments. You yourself have signed a letter calling for changes to Job Seeker to improve the the money flow to the people who need it the most. Right. This is about targeting interventions in to the economy, which is, of course, as we all know, just millions and millions of individual interactions between people. That's what an economy is. The government can set the economic conditions, which is what are the policies that encourage certain transactions to happen or discourage other transactions from happening? and it can directly intervene in the economy. That is, the tax and transfer system. It can tax some people more. It can give some people a bit more. It can subsidise certain things. can create jobs. It can create direct jobs. By employing public service. It's a major employer. One of the biggest, if not the biggest employer in every jurisdiction is going to be a level of government. And can build infrastructure. And why do we build infrastructure? To facilitate those economic transactions that individuals, whether they be individuals like you and me or individuals like companies, have between each other. Does that mean creating greater efficiencies? Greater efficiencies in the economy. That in itself reduces inflation. Why? Because inefficient economies drive out prices. Driving out prices causes inflation. Right? You see where I'm going with all this.
1: By the way, everybody, you will not get a better Neo-Keynesian framework of analysis in the past two minutes from Ben. You won't.
0: So when you take all that into account, we start to see that we can get inflation under control without without the neoliberal framework of sacrificing hundreds of thousands of workers, their livelihoods, their families, their community involvement in order to do that, right? That's the old model. That's the increase increase interest rates to get inflation down. That will create unemployment. Unemployment will reduce demand. Reduce demand will reduce prices. Reduce prices reduces inflation. No, that's wrong. That's bad. That's a bad model of trying to control inflation. It's not true. And it doesn't work it doesn't work. Just creates misery. Creates misery, right? If
1: everybody's miserable, then things will be better is not a logically consistent statement.
0: Well, what happens when everybody's miserable is, yeah, and they might spend less money. Okay, yeah. Okay, yes, you might get, you might get for a moment, a small slither of time where you get that economic outcome you were looking for. But in the long term, in the medium term, you're going to have significant problems. You're going to have masses of people who are long-term unemployed no longer short-term but long-term can't get back into the labor market levels of unemployed and that's a waste of surplus labor and it has an impact on productivity absolutely so this cycle right this about how do you create a virtuous cycle as opposed to a, a a negative cycle That's what the Labor government is trying to do. That's what the union movement has been calling for for the last 10, 15 years. It's to say no more of this taking extra profit. This 69% of inflation comes from extra profit. We know that. That study has been done by the Centre for Future Work, despite what Phil Lowe might say. We need new people on the RBA. The government is doing that. We need to invest in jobs and skills. We know the government is doing that. We know the union movement is pushing for that. We need efficiencies in productivity That doesn't mean people working longer hours. That means making better use of technology. That means making people more skilled. That means better deployment of capital. So one of the big problems we have with productivity in this country and as they have in the US, as they have in the UK, most of the English speaking world is that we have lazy and stupid managers, lazy and stupid managers who burn capital like Elon Musk. See how I've brought all this back together? I love, I'm in love with you Because because I have, I married you because this is fundamentally fundamentally the problem with productivity in this country is the poor deployment of capital. Now, thankfully, in this country, we have a thing called industry superannuation. And industry superannuation, growing sector, people make contributions to it, it invests for the long term, it invests in long term returns so that people can have a good retirement. It is patient capital. Patient capital doesn't require these immediate returns, these little sugar hits that so much of Elon Musk's money is based on, right? So what do you get instead? You get a better deployment of capital. You get capital that's about being productive and long-term profitability as opposed to short-term profitability, even if it comes at the expense of productivity, which you can do, right? You can make money in the short term, even if it is actually unproductive. Classic example is... GDP, gross domestic product. Did you know that natural disasters are great for GDP? They're great for GDP because what happens when there's a natural disaster? All the buildings fall down. All the buildings fall down. So what then you to- got to put them back up. You got to put them back up. Ukraine, the place to invite the place to invest, <laughs> the place to invest. Right? Like that's a that is. There are people who make this argument. Well, actually, natural disasters aren't that bad for the economy. They're bad. They're bad for people because people are the economy, right? They're good for GDP. They're good for a measure, a metric, an imperfect one at that. The point that I want to make is that we can control our economic environment by government having control of the economic policy, the framework. Getting the the hands back on the levers. The policy settings that create the environment Right, the economic environment, it's not a natural thing. It's a controlled and constructed thing. Governments construct it. Sometimes corporations get a bit too much control over it themselves and they try and dictate where it's going to go.
1: Yeah, and then they blow up their Blow rockets. up their
0: rockets or they have to fire their star performer because it turns out it might be a fascist, <laughs> right? This is why we elect governments and not corporate leaders. Uh and then, of course, you can have direct interventions. And those direct interventions, and people will have, this is where the comes in, right, is you might debate around, well, what is the right level of job seeker, right? It's too low. Everybody knows it's too low. The question is how much do you raise it by? When do you raise it? What impact does that have on, on employment? There are lots of different elements to that. Are there other things you could do that are more effective for the most vulnerable for people who are long-term unemployed, for people who have a a disability, all these sorts of micro-interventions that government has to make. Now, they might add up to billions of dollars. They might add up to tens of billions of dollars. But on the scheme of things, they're called micro-economic interventions. That is my quick summary of the cost of living situation, why it's a good thing that we seem to be bringing inflation down, and the sorts of things we can look forward to in the budget that's going to come out, not next week, but the week after. And, of course, it'll be on a Tuesday night. I'll probably end up live tweeting it. Thanks, Elon, uh, from the Week on Wednesday account. And, of course, we'll talk about the budget on the Wednesday after it comes out as well. Ben, I'll I'll talk about some good news while you bring up the list of our contributors because I know... Tell us about your good news.
1: I just want to say that I pitched uh, a story about nappies being made out of seaweed, which is an amazing waste reduction initiative, but Ben wanted to talk about
0: something. And I'll tell you what, if you are a contributor to The Week on Wednesday, I will include a link to the nappies made of seaweed story in the email with this uh, episode. So if you're listening to this episode and you didn't get it from the email, uh, go to the the supporter page, buymeacoffee.com slash week on Wednesday. You will be able to see the link there. Uh, But the story that I've uh, gone with this week is from one of our uh, contributors, Daniel Conway, and it's about batteries. We talk about batteries a lot here because we talk about renewable energy a lot. And a Queensland-based firm called Red Flow has a zinc bromine flow battery system, which uses a chemical reaction between zinc metal and bromine to produce electrical current. Now, this is about uh, creating backup battery storage. uh, And quite frankly, uh, there was a really great quote, lithium is great for short duration, whereas Lithium is a sprinter, we're a marathon runner. And zinc is, of course, one of the most abundant minerals in the world. It's 100% recyclable, this battery, and it's being used in Queensland's Daintree Forest as a modular battery to back up remote communications towers, uh, at the Bureau of Meteorology uh, for weather radar stations, and even a regional netball center in Fentry Gully in Melbourne uh, has these storage uh, facilities, these battery storages. Uh, and they feed off solar solar panels as well. Of course, this is an Australian company. They're exporting now to California. It's really seen as, uh, as something to back up systems and utilities, uh, mobile phone towers, data centres, uh, all the sorts of things that people might go, you know, it would be good to have a backup in case the network goes down. These are long-term storage of renewable energy And it's an Australian company, and I just, you know, I don't know much about the company. I'm not, you know, giving it an endorsement as a company either way, but it's harnessing this technology. And I think, you know, the more options we have to both sprint when it comes to renewable energy, uh, to access it as and when we need it, but also to have it for the long term, to be able to access it as and when we need it in four weeks' time or a month's time or in six months' time, all the better. So... That is some good news coming out of Queensland, a place where often I have received more bad news than good. So that's the good news for this week, and there will be seaweed nappies in the email if you care to read about that. And if you do read about that, you probably are a supporter, which means you're either giving us a buck a week, $10 a month as our Extend the Reach supporter, or $20 a month as our cadre. You know this podcast will always be free to download and listen, but this.
1: And we love it when you share it because the contributions we redirect to advertising because we're trying to build a community of people who share our values.
0: And you'll be pleased to know that we actually haven't spent a dollar advertising on Twitter. So there you go.
1: You really are a marketing
0: genius. Um, but we have spent money on other platforms advertising because, of course, we want to grow the audience. And we had a record episode last week. And if this is your second ever listen to The Week on Wednesday, hello. Thank you. We hope you've enjoyed it. These are our cadre supporters van.
1: Our cadre, Shane Horsville, Rebecca Fanning for Longman, Matthew Hadley, Column Kelly, Ali Vance, Mary M. Love your work, Yet Yeti at Annie Baldam, Claire, Jason Dallas, Camille, Kevi Bures, Kristen Suklner, Gabe Kramer, Stephen Aiken, Trish Corey, Greg Miller, Kathy Birch, Fiona McNeil, Giota Jicani, Christine Cole, Tamara James, Broman Punchdrunk Veteran Adjenny Force Foster Seven, Andrew Pascal, Cassandra Tui, Addison Official Ian Hampson, No Twitter for me, Hannah Honda, Matt Bush, Richard Sands, Glenn Robbie, Brush Channels, Kylie Phillips, Linda Cartwright, Leigh Shingles. I don't have Twitter. My name is Susan Myers. Kerry Nash Twenty, Billy Three McCabe, Nurse Simon. Katagal, Lauren Ashen Banjo, Narunga Man, John Sharp, and Matthew blah, blah, Peter Barth, Aaron Rollins, Louise Watson, Red, White, and Blue Lou, Joe Lockery, Steph, Karina Barley, Jancy Campbell, Leona Gibbons, and our Extend the Reach supporters. Stuart Munn, Blau Goya, Matthew Case, Marky Mark, at Vic Embit, Adrian Valente, Maritza at Carriedale68, Frank Nehus, Erica Pizzuti Joe Lapina, Richard Fitzpatrick, Harry Other, Pauline Bate, Helen at Robert Notfield one Michael Wales, Sanj Kelly, Darina, Kathy Haydon, Vaughan Damien Marley, Michelle Norton, Rodney Slap, Cameron dragon Daniel at Crazy Keser, John Dehan at Ange Fennell, Annie Uran at Roskenner 888 Kathy Burgess, Kirsten Black, Melanie Denning, Jodie A, Penelope Judge, Jane Holloway, Spirit of Anger and Hope at K Knott, at Didham, Sean Kelly, Beck and Lola, Richard Reverse, some one, W, Nandita Hanum, Maury Louise Hawker, Megan, Weckett, Graham, Oxley, Beck Cody, Tracy Lucas, Sandy Honan, at Galvez, Great Martin, Trainer, Amy Fawcett, Not on Twitter, Sarah, Elian, and Andrew, Ivor Spillett, Andrew Bryan, Peter IC, Linda, Sam Padid, Keith Addison, Lizette, Twizzle Bunk and Bash, Katie Ward at the Real Never Long Body, Sandy Baumgart at Not Sandy B and Renee McGee, we have lots of new subscribers. Thank you. And if I got your name wrong, just send me an email and I'll sort it out. And
0: if- If you made a contribution in the last week, we have had uh, not only do we have a record number of downloads uh, for last week's episode, obviously we've had a large number of people uh, become supporters and contributors in the last week. I'm not going to say it was a record because I think the first couple of weeks When we started this making contributions option for people, people really got on board. And for those who've been with us for the last nearly 18 months as contributors, huge thank you to you, of course. You know, congratulations. You have made this one of the most successful political podcasts in Australia. Award winning, Uh, award winning podcasts in Australia. Uh, And for those who've been listening since we started and it was just a couple of hundred. Huge congratulations to you as well. If you're still listening after two years, two and a half years nearly of us making this podcast. Well, I mean,
1: you've got to know our dog.
0: You've got to know our dog. Yeah. And we that's the probably, best
1: present we could give anyone.
0: We should probably send you a contribution. That's all we have time for on the week on Wednesday. Today. Don't forget to tune in to The Weekend Wrap on Sunday where I will do a quick, brief roundup of the week news since Wednesday. And, of course, you can check out Van's latest uh, Guardian piece, which is about Father Bob, uh, which is out now as well. Until Sunday, love you, Vanny. Love
1: you too. Bye. Bye.